0: Passion 2017 is more than a conference. It's the Jesus generation, united for his fame. Join tens of thousands of 18 to 25-year-olds for this incredible gathering hosted by Louie and Shelly Giglio and Passion with guests Chris Tomlin, Christine Kane, Crowder, Beth Moore, Matt Redmond, John Piper, Hillsong United, Levi Lusco, Christy Knuckles, Francis Chan, and more. January 2nd through the 4th at the Georgia Dome. Sign up today at passion2017.com. Most of you know that when I was 40 years old, uh, Mark, my friend, somehow talked me into climbing the Matterhorn. I'm not a mountain climber, uh, but he said it would be a good idea and something we could do together. And so we trained a period of time and went to Zermatt and went after the Matterhorn. And I won't get into the whole story because some of you heard me talk about it, but you, you take a lot of trams as high as you can and you hike quite a ways. To the hornley hut which is the place where you spend the night and prepare to go out on the final ascent of the matterhorn the next morning it's about uh, 4,000 feet from the hornley hut up to the summit and so 4:45 in the morning in the pitch dark morning we go out of the hornley hut to the summit <clears throat> and it's a sprint to the summit and i'm going to go up the mountain apparently i learned the night before with Richard who is now my guide because the guide that I had trained with all week in Switzerland as we were acclimating and preparing and getting checked off and signed off on for this climb Uh, was sick in the night on the day before we were to do our climb. So it was, hello, Richard, it's nice to meet you. I've never seen you before, but I'm going to pay you a pretty good chunk of money to get me up to the top of this mountain and back down again because I'm here and ready, but I have no idea how to get to the summit and back. And I don't know what you're facing today, but everyone in here has got some version of a Matterhorn today. That you need to know how to get up and hopefully how to get back. And in Psalm 23, there's an amazing offer on the table today. Among all the things that the shepherd's offering to you and me. David said, this shepherd guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So yes, he makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside quiet waters. Yes, he restores my soul. Yes, He's with me through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes, His rod and staff, they comfort me. He protects me. He provides for me. He anoints me. He blesses me. He follows me. But one of the things He's offering to us today is to guide us. And so if you're facing something today, or maybe just facing life in general today, and you don't know exactly how to get up or how to get back down The shepherd is saying, I would like to be your guide in life. And any one of us can take advantage of that today and have the leadership and the guidance of Christ in our life. And I want to take just a moment today and be as practical as I know how to be, because I think sometimes when we talk about the Lord led me or Jesus led me or God's leading me, it sounds like... Sort of like a spiritual mystery to a lot of people who are like, how is he doing that? And how do you know that's him? And how do you figure out which voice to follow and which one's his and which one's yours? And how do you know all this? And so today, because David was practical and he was a shepherd in real life. And so when he led the sheep and was thinking about his shepherd guiding him, he was thinking practically, not just <clears throat> in some sort of a broad spiritual way, Context And so I want to offer some practical steps today as we close out this series of how you and I can have the guidance of Christ in our lives. They're going to be practical, so don't get ready for anything overly profound because these things are practical, meaning you can begin doing them right now. You need no special theological training to begin doing them right now. And if we do begin doing them right now, because they're practical, you'll see immediate results in your desire to have guidance in your life. And the first one is this. God guides us, and we see this in Psalm 23, in the context of relationship. God guides you and me in the context of relationship. In other words, you're not going to get a FedEx in the mail, with a blueprint inside for the next 26 years of your life. Not coming. Because the Lord is my shepherd, and that's a relationship. And that's what Jesus understood. So when Jesus starts talking about his relationship with you and with me as a shepherd, which he does primarily in John chapter 10, he zeroes back in on this very practical step. He says in John 10, 27, this is Jesus speaking. My sheep listen to my voice, or my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So what Jesus is saying, if you're looking for guidance in your life, if I'm looking for guidance in my life, it begins with a relationship with the God who created us by and for himself. And so if you don't have a relationship with Christ it's gonna be difficult for Christ to guide you in life. If you have a fledgling relationship with Christ, it's gonna be difficult for Christ to guide you in life. If you have an on-again, off-again relationship with Christ, if your relationship with Christ is, I believe in God, I have a Bible, I go to church occasionally, it's gonna be hard for God to guide you in life. The relationship Jesus is describing is the same as the one David is describing in Psalm 23. And it is a daily, Dusted on relationship where that sheep has learned over time that he belongs to that shepherd and he knows that shepherd's voice and that shepherd is the one who cares for him and that kind of a relationship is the way the shepherd leads the sheep and it is the way that Christ wants to lead you and to lead me. My sheep, Jesus said, they hear my voice and I know them. I know them. And so the practical step for someone today to start getting a lot more guidance in your life from the God who created you is to come to know that God today through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the practical step for you. You're like, no, Louie, I don't have time for that. I got a job offer on the table. I got to tell them something at nine o'clock in the morning. I don't have time to meet Jesus. Well, you need to take time to let them know that you need more time And you say, well, I might miss this offer. Miss that offer and take this offer. And if you take this offer today, you won't worry that you're going to miss that offer tomorrow. The first step for you is to say, I want to begin a relationship with God through Christ. Because God leads us in the context of relationship. The second practical thing is this. God guides us incrementally. Now, see number one, and you'll understand number two. God knows he can't trust us with a multitude of days and plans, so he leads us incrementally. Now, we want God to lead us exponentially, right? I need an answer for this year, next year. um, How many kids are we going to have? Can you let us know what the cities are we're going to live in? Uh, You know, all the details for all the days of our lives. And because God leads in the context of relationship, He's not very likely to give us much more than an incremental measure of light for the path that we're on. He leads us Incrementally, when we went up the Matterhorn, Richard and myself and Mark and Thomas. Um, in fact, if you're going to go up the Matterhorn, just I will encourage you in this: get a guide. Don't go by yourself. And once you do that, you'll realize you'll remember. Louis said we should have gotten a guide. You should get a guide. Everyone should have a guide. And these are Swiss mountaineering experts. This is what they do for a living. They like go up the Matterhorn and then come down and meet somebody for lunch. I mean, that's what they do in life, like every day of their lives. And When Richard and I went out of the Hornley Hut into the night, immediately he fastened this rope to me. And so he has this over his shoulder coming out the door, helmet on, gear on, pack on, all the stuff we need. I got it. He's got it. But I don't have this. But he has this. And as we go out the door, he takes an end of the rope and he fastens it to my harness The other end is already fastened to his harness, and we start tromping off from the hornley hut. And I'm thinking this is going as planned at this point, because I've heard multitude of times this is a walk up. We're going to walk, and we're going to walk slow, and I'm a fan of both of those things. We're just going to keep moving, and so we're going to just put one foot in front of the other, and eventually we're going to be there. So we're tromping out into the dark, into the snow, into the freezing cold of Zermatt at 10,700 feet already. That's the starting point. And as we're going, I'm thinking this is working pretty good. And there's a little rope, you know, between Richard and a little rope between him and me, but he's right there and I'm right here. We're just like right here. And then immediately we come to this kind of uh, black, dark rock wall. And he says, now here's how it's going to work. I explained it to you last night. We went over it again today, but here's how it's going to work. I'm going to go up there. When I get up there, I'm going to fix the rope on something secure, and then I'm going to give a little tug. And when I give the little tug, you're going to feel the little tug on your harness, and then you come where I went. And, and before I could say, but, but, but Richard, this is, a, uh, this is like a straight-up concrete uh, wall here. This is like the side of a parking garage, and I don't really see how we're going to go up that. He disappeared. I don't know how he disappeared. I still this day don't know how he disappeared. He's just gone, and so he's up there. And as he's going, he's dropping this off. As he's going, I don't know how he did that either. Because when I went, man, there was no not going to be dropping anything off when I was going, and so he disappears. And I'm standing there like, wow, this this was. We were only eight minutes into this thing before it's gotten really like not a walking and walking slowly adventure. And before long, you know. Um, Sure enough, I'm just like, and Richard, I learned later, is going to guide another climber on another mountain the next day in another part of Switzerland, so he's in a hurry. <laughs> and so I start up. And I'm not going fast enough because I keep getting the. And then it's 10,700 feet, and it's 4:50 a.m., and I'm 40 years old. So about halfway between me and wherever he is, I stop, take a couple breaths, and then eventually I appear, and he's like, "Good job," and then he disappeared. And we did that for four hours up, straight up. He would disappear. I mean, he wasn't like, hey, you wanna take a break? Uh, Feeling good? It was just like, hey, good job. (laughs) Go. And all the way up, it was an incremental leadership. 120 feet at a time. He would go. He would secure the rope. You say, why would he do that? In the very high likelihood that I would slip and fall. And he didn't want me to pull him off the Matterhorn. So he would secure the rope so that if I did slip and fall, I would fall less than 120 feet. And then I would stop. Because the rope was fixed on some little crevice or crack or rock that would hold it. And then I would see him again, and then off he would go, and I would see him again, and off he would go, I would see him again. And all I really had to be responsible for, once I kind of locked into it and stopped freaking out, was that all I've got to do is go another 120 feet to where Richard is. That's all i got to do. And what I learned in that, and what I've been able to apply to my life and already knew in my life, is that God guides us incrementally. In other words, he's rarely, again, going to give you 1,500 feet of rope. He's not going to point you up at the top and say, good luck finding your way up there. He's going to lead a little bit, and then he's going to tug a little bit, and then he's going to appear again, and he's going to lead again. And yes, he's with us all the way, but this is how God leads us in our lives. See, number one, it's all about the relationship that we have with him. The third practical thing today is this, that God guides us through his word. So if you're looking for guidance in any area of your life today, you're going to have that guidance in proportion to how much of God's word is woven into your daily life. You can't have a crash course in guidance. I've got a big decision coming. I don't know what to do. I haven't spent any time with God in the last six months. I haven't opened the scripture in the last year. I don't really know him all that well, but God, I need you to help me on this one. And he's like, I wanna help you and I wanna guide you, but it's in context of relationship. I guide you incrementally, not in the really big decisions that come every two or three years in life and I guide you primarily through my word. So you're gonna to need to provide a platform in your life whereby there is continual interaction with me in scripture over time, even on the days that you don't need big decisions made. <laughs> even on the days that you're like, I don't really have a big decision today, I'm just gonna to go to work again and there's nothing big happening at work today and nothing's really crazy happening in the family today And that's the day that you want to make sure that you are interacting with God in the pages of his word because what you're doing is you're building in a repetition factor to his voice that you're going to need when he disappears with 120 feet of rope. And that's a lifestyle that you can begin today that's gonna maybe not help you with that decision you're making at nine o'clock in the morning, but it's gonna help you with the decisions that you're making nine months from now, in nine years from now, if you'll become a person of the word of God, because God guides us primarily through his word. Someone was talking to me last week about signal to noise ratio, and that's an important component in your smartphone or in communication and The kind of technological world we give in, the signal is here, the receptor is here, but the noise is in the middle. And the signal-to-noise ratio determines whether you hear the signal clearly and understand the signal clearly. And there's a lot of noise going on right now in our lives between the signal of God's voice and the receptor of our heart. There's a whole lot of noise in the middle, and the way that you cancel the noise in the middle is by investing in the Word in the middle. And when we do that, it sets the direction for our lives. Regularity in the Word and repetition in the Word helps us know Him and know His voice. So when He says, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me, the way we hear and know His voice is built into our lives by the way we live in His Word for our lives. You say, well, where does the Spirit come in? And Well, I think it works like this. The Word sets the direction, and the Spirit brings the prompting and the remembrance of that Word. The Word is Richard saying, we're going up there. And we're going to go up there in four hours because we're going to have to come back down here before noon. That's what we're going to do, and here's how we're going to do it. That's the Word. The Spirit is the impression through the day the prompting through the day, the tug on our lives through the day that says, come on, walk in what God has set before you. Walk in who God says you are. Walk this out in this particular conversation. Here's how you navigate this particular moment. The Word sets the direction and the Spirit is the tug and the impression that allows us to put all of that fabric of the Word into play in our lives. The fourth practical thing is that God guides us in community. He guides us in and through the context of a relationship with him. He guides us incrementally. He guides us in the scripture and through his word. And he guides us in community. So a shepherd is interested in the flock, not in a sheep. You're like, no, 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 I just want a relationship with God, with God where he's just interested in, in a sheep. Just me and him, that's all I need, I don't really need a flock. No, the shepherd leads a flock. You rarely see, if ever see, a shepherd and one sheep cruising around in the Holy Land. You doing all right, Will? Cool, you stay with me. No, you're gonna see a flock of sheep Moving together. So what happened when that one sheep did get lost out of the hundred? Jesus says the shepherd went and found it and put it on his shoulders and brought it back to the flock. If it had been in the flock, it wouldn't have been in the briar patch. And so he brought it back to the flock and said, there's your flock of people. Try to stay with the group. Now, the last thing anyone wants to hear, in my estimation, is stay with the group. I mean, is that just like a bad idea to most people? Now, some of you are wired to stay with the group, and I guess I should acknowledge you. You love that idea. Let's stay with the group, honey. Everybody's going over here. Let's stay with the group. When somebody says to me, now, stay with the group, that just says to me, get out of the group as soon as possible. (laughs) Like, before they finish their breakfast, let's get out of the group. That's what we did going up the Matterhorn. I didn't know Richard was in a hurry until after the fact. I also didn't understand that we weren't going to do the training regimen because the guy who I trained with, which I was going to go with, was my height, and so all our steps were the same size. Richard shows up, and he's 6'7". So when Richard said, just put your foot right here, it was like saying, put your foot up here. (laughs) And I'm like, no, my foot doesn't go up there. My foot goes right here. Well, you put your foot down there. He's like, no, here we go. Just put your foot right there and your next one goes right there. Bam, bam. See how I did that? And I'm like, no, you're six, seven. <laughs> when we went out of the Hornley Hut, the last thing I had heard the night before was that it's, it's not illegal, but it's kind of technically not kosher in the climbing community to break away from the group. There were 40 of us going to the summit that day. And all of us would leave at 5 o'clock a.m. But as they were gathering for their pre-summit powwow at 445, Richard said, follow me. And he was my guide and my shepherd, and I was his sheep, and I was tied to him, so I followed him. (laughs) And we went out through the kitchen into the dark, and he said, we're going to get a head start on those jokers. Cool. Cool. This is not how a good shepherd works. A good shepherd doesn't say to you, get away from the group. A good shepherd says to you, let's stay in the flock. Because we are the people of God. And you don't have to, you know, you can break that down to your idea of what the flock is any which way you want to, but I think a good local church is a great flock to be a part of, but within every flock, there has to be another flock. And and somewhere in Passion City Church, you've gotta find your community. You've gotta find your flock. We've provided an incredible opportunity for that called a community group. And the purpose of a community group is so that you can find a group of Jesus followers, And you can find a touch point with an under-shepherd for your life. What is an under-shepherd? Well, the scripture says that pastors are under-shepherds under the chief shepherd to steward God's flock. And it will change your world in terms of God guiding you in life if you will come around these two practical ideas. You've got to get in a group to really know God's full guidance in your life. And you need to recognize the role of the under-shepherds of God in your life. Now, all that can be misused and fragmented and probably has in almost everybody's life in this room that's been around church. But don't let that deter you from following God's purpose and God's plan. You say, well, what would that look like practically? It would look like this. It would be... The place in life where at some point you are making a decision or a set of decisions and you said these three things. Number one, the word says X. That's your starting point. Not, you know, I met with Sally yesterday and she doesn't think I should do it. Or I talked to my mom this week and my mom thinks I should do it. No, I've been in God's word over time and God's word is really leading me this way. So that'd be number one thing you would say. The Word says X. The second thing you would probably say if you're walking by the Spirit is, and I sense Y. So the Word is telling me, here's the direction. The Spirit is tugging at me and I'm sensing this about that direction. Most people, even on a spiritual track, stop right there. The Word told me this, the Spirit told me that, I'm out. But a shepherd will help if you'll ask. And I think the third piece of this is for you to say, the word says X, I sense Y, but the Z part of the equation is to go to your core group of Jesus followers around you and to an under shepherd that God has put over you and ask a powerful question. And here's the question, what do you think? What do you think? See, not your your crew that you run with at work, not your crew that you golf with, not your crew that's in your carpool huddle that y'all all all rally at Starbucks after the kids are dropped off. No, you need a Jesus-following crew, even if it's one person who's also in the Word, who also is led of the Spirit, and who also is in the flock. And they can say, you know, that's an interesting passage of Scripture you pulled out, and I do feel like you do think something's tugging at you, but that's a really terrible decision. Based on these 40 passages of Scripture and the tugging in my heart right now, I think you should talk to your pastor. And that doesn't mean you have to talk to me. That just means that you find your team leader, if your team leader shepherds you here, your community group leader, if you have a relationship with them You find somebody that you can say, I'm thinking about X, Y, and Z. What do you think? And if you've got the word and the spirit, and then you have the community around you, you're going to find guidance coming a lot clearer for you in your life. The word together is combined. It's a combination of three words. To get there. You go together. To get there is together. And you're going to find more clarity if you're in community with people around you who are also breathing the Word, who are also led of the Spirit, and who are also in the flock. That's practical. Number five practical thing that will bring a lot of guidance to our lives. God does not guide on wrong paths. He, David said... Guides me in paths of righteousness. That's a big word for right paths, good paths, true paths, honorable paths, righteous paths. So that's number five. See how practical that was? If you're on a wrong path, get off the wrong path and you'll find guidance from your shepherd. Number six. Is that easy enough? You're like, do you have an illustration? No, that's the whole thing right there. Can can you tell us a story? No. Get off wrong paths, and Jesus will guide you. Because he only guides on right paths. So if you are uh, in a wrong path, and you're asking God for guidance, he's giving you guidance. Get off this path. No, 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 I I can't do that right now. That's too complicated. I just need wisdom and discernment. Get off the path. Get off this path. But I would have to break up with her. Get off this path. I'm going to have to change my whole life if I get off this path. Get off this path. Are you tugging at me with that? Get off the path but what are you saying? (laughs) You mean this path? Number six, coming down to the wire. God guides best when there's a higher vision than just simply what's good for you. So this verse three, part B in Psalm 23 says, my shepherd guides me in paths of righteousness. Do you know the rest of it? For his name's sake. That is a game changer. Because for a lot of life, guidance is God helping me figure out what's best for me. You're like, well, of course that's what guidance is. That's what God's for. No, that's not what God's for. God's for what's best for you and what's best for Him. He's for your good and his glory so he wants you to take the job and be in the place that's best for you what does that mean best suits your abilities your gifts your desires because he said that if we would pursue him with all of our heart he would give us the desires of our heart so he wants us to function in our gifts he wants us to function in our desires he wants us to function in the ways that we were created and wired to function. And He actually wants us to be happy, newsflash. But He also wants us to be in the job, in the moment, in the situation in such a way that what is for our good becomes for His glory. And sometimes, hello, He will put us in a position that we don't necessarily love right away because that position will in fact give him more glory than the position we would have chosen that we would have loved instantly. You're like, I can't see a God and I can't follow a God who would do that. You want a God who will do that. You want a God who will help you, make you, lead you, restore you, and guide you into a place that ultimately is the best place for you to bring the most glory to him, You don't want to go, man, I got the job I wanted, the situation I wanted, the deal I wanted, the life I wanted. I got all of what I wanted and get to the end and realize that there was no glory in any of it for him. You don't want that. And I don't want that. You want to be in a place where you're moving in your gifts. You're functioning in your passion. You're doing the thing that you were created to do. And you can feel alive inside because of it. But you see how in this place, at this time, in this moment, in these particular ways, he's guiding you all through the navigating of the details so that Jesus is present, seen, known, and glorified in it all. He says, my shepherd leads me on the right path, not so that I can be on the right path. He leads me on the right path for his namesake. So at the end of the day, when the sheep come in to be sheared or the lambs would go to the temple to be a sacrifice, and it's a good flock, it's a beautiful flock, it's a bountiful flock, they don't go, wow, good job, sheep, y'all are awesome. Woo! They go, shepherd of the year. No one has ever applauded a flock of sheep. But somewhere in America right now and somewhere in the world right now, there's a ranking of shepherds. And every community and every village knows who the best shepherd in the village is. And you know which one it is? It's the one whose sheep are doing the best. And our place in life is to be in the good place. God wants you in a good place. He wants you in a good marriage. He wants you in a good relationship. He wants you in a job that you feel alive in. He wants you to be in in community where you feel seen and known and purposed. He wants all that for you. He wants the very best for you, but he also wants you to be in that place so that glory can come to him. It's like... Story The 10 lepers, all over again. 10 got healed, but only one went back and praised God. He wants to heal you, He wants to bless you, He wants you to experience His power, but then He wants you to turn around and go, Wow, Jesus did this in my life. And I'm going to bring glory to the one that put me on the right path. That's why we love baptism. Because baptism tells the story of the good in a person's life. And baptism gives the glory to the one who brought the good into their life. And that's why we love it. Look at her good and look at his glory. He led her, he led him on a path of righteousness. And guess what? We're applauding today. We're we're celebrating them, but we're applauding him. We're applauding the shepherd that got them to that baptismal pool. And he's the one on display today. And when that clicks into my heart and clicks into your heart, God's going to guide you a whole lot better When our prayer, your prayer, my prayer is, God, I need an answer here, and I want the best one for me, but I want the best one for you. What's best for you in this decision, God? That's a game changer. We had the privilege, we have been in Florida on tour for a few nights, and when we we started out to Florida, we got an email from a youth pastor down in South Florida, and he said, we were coming tonight, but we can't come. My 11-year-old son, Randall, um, has uh, a big tumor behind his right eye, And he's in the middle of a chemo regimen right now trying to manage that thing to the point that they can do surgery. And we wanted to be there tonight, but we're not going to make it. We're at All Children's uh, in St. Pete. If you guys could swing by, it would mean the world to him. If not, if you could even just shoot a little video and send something his way. So we had the privilege of going to the oncology wing at All Children's a few days ago and visiting Randall. We walked into his room, and he was sitting up on his bed, legs crossed. And his little knit hat on because he's lost his hair. And just the coolest, most peaceful kid you've ever seen. And we visited for half an hour. And as we were visiting, you know, as God would have it, Randall's treatment was supposed to start the day before, but his heart um, tests. Didn't pan out, so they had to wait 24 hours. And while we were actually in his room, the nurse came in and started the machine to start giving him a 48 hour dose of chemo, which I said, What's that like? He said, It's not very fun. And so we were getting ready to go, and I said, Randall, we're going to pray for you, and we're going to pray all the usual stuff. <laughs> But what are a few specific things you would like us to pray? And you know what I was thinking? I didn't tell him this, but I was hoping we could like, get something super specific. Like he had talked about the fact that he can't breathe out of one side of his nose because of the tumor. And when he sleeps at night, the other side gets clogged up. And if that gets clogged up, he has to breathe out of his mouth all night. And that makes the whole next day miserable. that'd be a specific thing maybe you can sleep tonight and breathe through both sides of your nose or you know they've got he's got nine siblings most of whom they've adopted from Russia and maybe there's something going on there he's got a hamster a gerbil named Vladimir and he doesn't get along with his other hamster named Ben maybe there's something in that we could pray about and he said two things I mean just like that 11 years old I'm sitting on his bed. Some dude, he's, you know, him him and his dad been reading the comeback. His dad's been reading the comeback to him. That's about all he knows about me. Like, what are a couple things, specific things, two things? I'm like, all right. Because I just wanna see God do something that he can go that, we prayed about that and God changed that. He said two things, would you pray that my family will have the strength they need To get through this, and the second thing is, would you pray that a lot of people would come to know Jesus through this? Said, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll pray. But I'm pretty sure we don't even have to. If that's what you want to pray, that's what you're you're telling me. That's what you want to pray. You got a tumor behind your right eye your best case scenarios multiple surgeries coming up after this chemo and then more radiation and not sure what all after that and your two specific things one of them is that jesus would have a lot of people come to know him because of this you see When we get that, when you get that, and I get that, and our guidance prayer is, God, I need help. I'm in this relationship, in this situation at school, dealing with this decision I've got to make about our family. And in the mix is, I do want to know what's the right path for us. But that's almost always what people end the sentence with. Lord, our people even say to me, Lord, we're just asking God, you know, trying to figure out what's best for our family. Oh, everybody wants to do that. That's a great thing to want to do. To try to figure out what's best for our family is always the right thing to do. But we want to put a comma there and say, we're just asking God, we're trying to figure out, we're getting counsel. We want to know what's best for our family and what is best for God in this. And when that is our heart, I'm telling you, the shepherd is going to show up and he's going to clarify things for you and me and lead us with an exceptional power that we haven't known when it was always just what's good for me. That's a game changer. And then I close with this. So what do we got so far? He guides us in the context of a relationship. Do you know the shepherd? He guides us incrementally. So maybe what God wants to give you right now is just about 120 feet of rope. And you trust God him, that he's going to be on the end of that with 120 feet more. He guides us in his word. He guides us in community. He does not guide us on wrong paths. He guides us best when we have a higher vision than just our good. And lastly, God becomes more visible in the future to those who are most obedient in the present. We're wound down, and you don't need to turn to it, but I want you to hear this passage. Jesus, again, a few chapters over in John 14. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, And I too will love him, and check this phrase, and show myself to him. In other words, if you want to see Jesus more clearly in your life, obey Jesus where you're standing in your life. And we always try to invert that. Jesus, I just want to see you. I just want to know you. I just want you to clarify. I want a bigger revelation. I want more understanding of you. He's like, more understanding and more revelation of me will happen when you obey what I'm giving you right now in the 120 feet. And your obedience now will show me that you trust me and love me. To follow that shepherd, i got to hear him A and know that's my shepherd. Out of repetition and life and relationship, that's the voice I follow. That's my shepherd. The signal to noise ratio, I'm managing that through the word. I can hear him. But to follow him, I've got to trust him. i got to believe in his best for my life and trust him to take that step. And when I do, I come to know him more. And the people in life who know Jesus best are the people in life who have obeyed Jesus most and that relationship cannot be broken. So I don't know which step is for you today. You're like, man, Louie, I I really was hoping, you know, I read my horoscope this weekend and it said that I was gonna receive clarification in the morning and I knew when you did this today you were gonna say whether it was Toledo or whether it was Des Moines. It's Toledo. and you're giving me, like get in the word, get in community, obey what's right in front of me, start a relationship, cultivate a relationship with Jesus. These are the things that will put you in the place where in 12 months from now, I promise you, if you tap into these, you will say, I am sensing God guiding me in my life, in my decisions like never before.